When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. We'll check in with Jeremiah Searles and Grant Wistrom. Next hour, we get things kicked off. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic joins us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how are we doing? Thanks for the time today. Doing well, Chris. How are you? We're good. We are just talking uh, the latest uh, crop report with Nebraska, Northwestern, the Big Ten, and where the, uh, the the seedings fall, big ball game tomorrow night. And Mitch, I need just published a story on Nebraska basketball. And I want to get into the topic of optimism with you because you, you feel is you've covered Nebraska basketball and Husker sports for a long time. You feel for the fan base of Husker basketball, just <laughs> the, the uncertainty that exists this time of year when this type of season comes around? Yeah, you know, this type of season in the last quarter of a century for Nebraska has come around so rarely that it would be nice if the fans could enjoy it, and I think they do enjoy the wins, and they enjoy when Nebraska's playing well, but there is a bit of a tortured nature to being a Nebraska basketball fan because even in the the seasons that are, like the high watermark, and, and, you know, this is trending to be one of those, it's still really stressful. You know, Nebraska doesn't get those kind of seasons where you get to the first part of February and it's just about wondering, you know, how high you can boost your seed. It's always on the bubble if if there's a bubble, um, if the bubble even exists, and in many years it hasn't existed, then it's, you're, you're wondering if you're in or out. And this is one of those years, my feeling, and I wrote about this, Today, after hearing Coach Hoiberg um, following the the Sunday loss in overtime at Illinois, and then again today before they left to go back to um, to Illinois to Northwestern this time, is that this team is well positioned because it's now at the end of this stretch over the last three weeks that was always going to be the most difficult part of the schedule and. While a win would be fantastic tomorrow, and of course that's what Nebraska's aiming for, is to break through and get that road win. Even if it doesn't happen, the way the last seven games line up, I feel like Nebraska's in pretty good shape um, to, to be dancing in March. It's Mitch Sherman with us here from The Athletic on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, whenever you look specifically at tomorrow night's matchup, kind of our theme for the, the first segment of this show was these teams really are a carbon copy of each other from how they play. They both like to shoot the three-point ball. You have coaches that are very similar. Both of them probably uh, could realistically be in contention for Big Ten Coach of the Year, pretty mild-mannered, have turned around programs uh, that have been hopeless as of a, a decade ago in terms of their ability to, to make it into the NCAA tournament and go win a game. You have very, very similar programs in Northwestern and Nebraska. Is that a, a fair way to, 
to put tomorrow night's game? Is that you kind of have two carbon copies playing each other? I think there's a lot of parallels to draw. And, you know, you kind of laid it out with Chris Collins and Fred Hoiberg and their backgrounds. You know, those guys, those guys got their, their claims to fame in the sport of basketball elsewhere and then have taken their coaching prowess and have, have worked – um, you know, have have done have done great things. I, I don't want to say worked wonders because Fred hasn't gotten to that point at Nebraska. Now Collins is in his 11th year at Northwestern, and and they've cleared some major hurdles that Nebraska is still looking to clear in winning in the NCAA tournament. Northwestern was the last team to 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 make the NCAA tournament as far as the Power Five ranks go, and here Nebraska stands as the last team yet to win a game or the only team yet to win a game from the, the, the major conference schools. So there's a similarity there. Um, and, and right, you get down to this 23-24 squad for both teams, and you see how strong Northwestern is at home. They've got home wins against Illinois and Purdue. Nebraska's got home wins against Wisconsin and Purdue. You know, all the way down to the fact that, 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 that they're – their Ken Palm and their NET rankings are about the same, and then they both played a pair. They both played two overtime games last week, so they're coming in. Both of these teams are, I would say, with a little bit weary legs. Nebraska, perhaps on the the worst end of that, because the Huskers played on Thursday Sunday, where Northwestern played on Wednesday Saturday, and the Huskers have to travel to Northwestern. So, some significant advantages in favor of the Wildcats as far as their level of freshness for this game coming off of a rough week last week with two defeats. Um, and, of course, they've got that big home court advantage. Talk to me a little bit here. And Elijah said a great story we're going to get to from the Chicago Sun-Times about uh, Hoiberg being back in business and a really good story this year for college basketball and the the topic of Fred and, you know, the coach of the year in the Big Ten with, with what he's been able to do. All that being said, he just doesn't blink good, bad, or ugly, does he, Mitch? I mean, the, the post game, Elijah and I were talking yesterday about how much fire we would have set to the, uh, <laughs> to the <laughs> arena after, after some home cooking for the Illini on a lot of missed and questionable calls. And, and Fred is absolutely a treasure and a professional where he – he doesn't like it, but he doesn't. He doesn't show it as a you know a, an excuse. He just he just handles the facts. You lost, and here's what happened, and here's the turnovers, yeah. here's the rebounding. So, yeah. touch on on Fred's demeanor and, and how that can help a Nebraska basketball team kind of trying to make this this push here in March. Yeah, he really is like the the eye the, at the eye of the storm, like the calm at the center of the storm, and. Sunday was a great example of that because, you know, I think everybody who watched that from a Nebraska perspective was throwing their arms up in the air at times. And, and look, there, there were, I'm sure there were calls in that game. It, depending on your perspective, you see the game differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were calls in that game that made Illinois fans and observers irate also. But there were a number of them late and in overtime that impacted Nebraska in a negative way. You know, most notably the, the no call against Rink Mast at the end when he was stripped and hit on the hand and, um, you know, potentially goes to the line and, and gives Nebraska a chance at least to come closer um, when it's down three. And, and, you know, you can debate all you want the call at the end of regulation two. 
um, that put Illinois at the line to, to tie the game, potentially to win the game in regulation, which they didn't do. Um, it was a great defensive stretch for Nebraska at the end, and, and it, unfortunately it was, it was uh, you know, all for naught because of, of that foul. And, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see it as a foul. But, yeah, the great thing about Fred is, is he doesn't get bogged down with that. And, you know, I think he, he looks at it from the standpoint of, hey, we missed um, – he said today at his media availability that Nebraska was 13 to 31 at the rim in that game. Um, I, I assume he means like close to the you know, get points in the paint, uh, and that's yeah, it's missing too many shots. And so he's going to he wants his team to be accountable to that and worry, of course, as all coaches say, but don't necessarily preach about the things that that you can control as a team and they can control um, their shot making uh, near the rim. They can control the effort that they put into rebounding. I do think they, they put forth a lot of effort, but there's more that they can do to come closer to winning the rebounding battle in a game like that. And, and he wants them to rebound. He wants them to limit turnovers and he wants, he wants them to do all of that on, on the road. That's really the formula that he's devised for Nebraska to be able to win on the road is to, do the things that it has done well, like shoot the three, but then also rebound and, and, and limit the turnovers. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's really interesting to watch his demeanor after those, after those big wins, um, you know, which we saw on Thursday as, as he stood at the center of the court and was interviewed with, with the students all around. And, you know, it was just same old Fred. And then, and then three days later, um, at the podium in Champaign when his team had just been dealt a heartbreaker, and you wouldn't really know the difference between the two guys that you were watching. I think it does help the team a lot because they can, you know, they're, they're not going to ride the waves as much if the, if the head coach is as even killed as he is. Mitch, quickly here before we get your thoughts on the, uh, the Super Bowl, does the Big Ten have, a, have an officiating problem in your mind? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I could say, I can say that I think that, that that there is a problem. I, I don't know exactly what it is or how to fix it, how to train them better. But, but yeah, I mean, there's there's. I've watched plenty of games this year where I've thought, you know, how did that happen? I I, I get it's a tough job, um, and I don't know that it's limited to the big. It's not limited to the Big Ten. You know, observers of media fans of every conference. I think feel like their officials mess things up at a, at a special rate. <laughs> if you watch enough Big Ten basketball, you know you can feel that way about Big Ten basketball. It's football season. You know we can feel that way about Big Ten football. I, I do think that there there has to be some some accountability and some way to kind of modernize the process so that um, these guys are put in the position to be able to call the games and officiate the games in both sports. The, the, the the best way possible, you know, whether that means more access or less access to technology. I, I don't know what it is, but um, it's, it, it is difficult um, to watch those games and, and like the one on Sunday in Champaign and, and see, um, you know, so much that is left in the hands of the officials and, and, and know, or at least believe that, uh, you know, a lot of it didn't get handled right. And I'd say it didn't get handled right on, on both sides, but it did seem to impact Nebraska late in the game more so in a negative way than it did Illinois. Mitch will probably hit Super Bowl on the old Average Joe pod this week. I want to get your quick take about a minute on Coach Rule tomorrow. What are you expecting from, from the head Husker? 
Right. You know, it's the first time to be able to talk to him about Glenn Thomas um, and to hear what his expectations are um, as they move forward in coaching these freshman quarterbacks. And of course, be a lot of, a lot about this is a lot about Dylan Rayola and and you know how the two of them can can form a bond and and um, Thomas's history and working with Rule and working with Marcus Satterfield and what the dynamic is there and in in building an offensive system that's going to be different from what Nebraska ran last last year. So I, th- I think that's going to be a big conversation. And then how the Huskers uh, close up this recruiting class if there's if there's a late addition or two will will be interesting too. You know we know about Keona Wilhite the defensive end from from Tucson and you know he may end up um, at Nebraska that's that's um, you know seems to be leaning in that direction so if there's a another signee to talk about that's going to be a a big topic and especially if it's at a position like like pass rusher which is always at a premium in, in recruiting. Mitch we'll see you tomorrow thanks for a few minutes today. All right good to talk to you guys thanks a lot. There he is Mitch Sherman with us. From The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Open phones for you the next 20 minutes. Want to jump in before we talk to Papa Searles. Grant Wistrom next hour. More th- some of your comments in the stream are, are just buttes. We'll get to some of those. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Locker. <laughs> 